After constantly being bombarded with emails, phone calls, and text messages on a daily basis asking, what would you do? Sometimes it's an, oh crap, I made a mistake, help me. And sometimes it's just a question about the latest technology and do we feel it's worth the investment? We want to help answer all of these questions. So, welcome to What Would Larry Do? featuring Dr. Ann. We'll be interviewing experts in the industry to help answer the questions that you desire to know the answers to. And now, it's time for What Would Larry Do? featuring Dr. Ann. Hello, and welcome to What Would Larry Do? I am Dr. Ann, and I am here with Larry Helwig. So we've got a fun topic for you today. This is one of our brand new passions that we have in our clinic. So today's uh, title of our podcast is Your Eye Bags Are Not Designer, so it's time to get rid of them. Right, Larry? That's that's correct. (laughs) So I'm going to have us jump right in by starting out with you first telling us what are eye bags and what is happening physiologically. Well, they are fat pads under your eyes that bulge. Mm -hmm. That's a simple uh, statement. You look in the mirror and you look at the lower part of your eye and you have these bags sticking out and uh, it's swelling and it's, it's just... It's not there. It should not be there. Mm -hmm. And you notice it, but you don't think of doing anything about it. And that's typically what happens. They make you look tired. They make you look old. And they don't have to be there. That's right. And it's typically a genetic issue, right? Yep. So some people end up with the herniated fat pads underneath there and some don't. Yep. Um, But as we all age, we're all possibly prone to it happening. So what have been some of the treatment options for people in the past to get rid of their eye bags? Well, surgery. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the big one, right? Yep. You're going to do surgery and you're going to have an a, a upper, lower bluff. You're going to have a treatment where they will suck it out or cut it out or, you know, of that nature. It's always been surgery. Mm-hmm. And it, it, just going back to physiology of it a little bit and fat itself in the face mm-hmm. you know we all have fat in our face and over time you lose a bit of it but you know it also moves and so if you think about your skin is going to age so that changes over time your mm-hmm. fat is going to change your bone structure is going to change and all of that is happening simultaneously so sometimes your fat will move. Yep. Sometimes it will herniate. And, uh, Most it, of the time it, it just and, sags. Yeah, and it, <laughs> you know, it herniates out, and all of a sudden you've got bags. And so uh, you have moving fat, you have fat that's actually disappearing to mm-hmm. change your appearance, and you have fat that's protruding out that's mm-hmm. changing your appearance. At the same time, bone is shrinking, your skin is looking older, so... The reason why people will wake up one day at, you know, 45, 50, 55 or whatever and say, whoa, what the hell is going on? Something is changing here. It's a combination of all these things. Yes, it is. And so, you know, there's been a couple of surgeries has been in the past, the number one treatment. So they call it blepharoplasty. And with a lower bluff, they could take out that fat pad that's underneath there Um, Sometimes they would leave patients a little bit too hollow. Sometimes it worked out great. 
Other alternatives that have come up, and this is one of my most hated ones, is that people started trying to use filler to fill around the eye bags because typically you had a herniated fat pad and then below that we would have a depression called a tear trough. And so people would fill in the tear trough with filler to try to decrease the um, elevation between the herniated fat pad and the depression into the tear trough. And let me tell you, this is uh, I correct people on a regular basis that come in that have had horrible filler in the tear troughs by another practitioner. And so if your patient has a herniated fat pad, please do not put filler in the tear trough. You must correct the herniated fat pad first, right? That's correct. So that's been one of mine that I hated. Now, another option that some patients would do would be skin tightening, whether it was deep resurfacing or non-invasive radiofrequency skin tightening to firm the skin and try to help minimize the appearance of the herniated fat pad. But it actually was not treating the herniated fat pad, right? That's right. So you're you're attempting to make it look better, and maybe in some cases you got a little benefit out of it. But if you have an area under your eye, and it's an area that's very obvious because everyone's looking at your eyes, Mm -hmm. and that is is, uh, protruding out or herniated, people are going to notice it. Yes. And, you know, you can try to mask it with a little tightening or put a little filler around it, but you're not correcting the problem. Nope, they're not designer handbags. Get rid of them, right? That's That's right. We tell all of our patients. (laughs) Those are not the bags you want to be carrying around. That's right. Let's do something about it. So what are some of our new treatment options that we can offer patients for these eye bags? Well, I'm, I'm thrilled to say we have a device called the Agnes. Mm-hmm. And Agnes is uh, a device that allows us to literally put a needle into the fat pad and kill the fat. Mm-hmm. And we get to control that. So it's yep. a step-by-step process. But many times it's, you know, half-hour procedure, in, out. Done. Using That's focused it. radio frequency. Exactly. So we're using that on the tip of the needles to destroy these fat pads. And you actually hear it happening and you can mm-hmm. see it while you're doing it. And so it's a very controlled scenario. And I had a patient come in once and um, well, I actually have had multiple patients in this situation where they wanted something done on their face. And I kept looking at their fat pads and they never mentioned it. Yes, and, they, you know, it's like right there, and they can't like them. They just don't know that they can treat them. Yeah. And that's really the problem. It's like uh, we, we had a discussion just a little while ago about the vagina, and a lot of women don't know, yes, mm-hmm. you can treat the vagina, you can treat the labia, and you can do an overall nice correction of a lot of issues. Well, same thing on the face. You have these fat pads, and they're there, and they're, they're very obvious, and, uh, you know, they're, they're, we grade them anywhere from zero, which is, you know, you don't have a fat pad, mm-hmm. to mild is one, two is moderate, and three is severe. And depending on what it is, we can make a determination, is it going to be one treatment or maybe two, mm-hmm. something like that. But it's very, very nice to get rid of that. And you can do that pretty simply. And we also do tightening with it. Yeah. And I literally had a patient in my office about four or six weeks ago. And she was in there, and I was doing her Botox, and she was asking me about filler in her upper lip. And she has very mild, mild uh, lip lines. So I, I, do, I don't prefer filler in the mild lip lines either. And so we discussed microneedling for that. 
However, I told her, I said, you know, it's not really your upper lip that's aging you. It's your eyes. And she goes, I know. She goes, I hate my eyes, but I'm not ready for surgery. And I was like, well, I have an option here for you that is non-surgical in order to take care of those fat bags and tighten those under eyes. And she was so excited. She was in my office, gosh, I think it was a Thursday, and I scheduled her for the following Wednesday for the procedure. So she had no clue that there was an option that was non-surgical to treat the under eye bags. And, and when you see someone, where you diminish that or you completely remove those eye bags and that, that fat herniation, it changes their look mm-hmm. right in front of you. I mean, yep. right there. And they are so thrilled with this. And yet, it's another procedure that people don't know that they can have, just a quick in-office type scenario. Mm-hmm. And they, they're afraid to ask about it, or they don't even think about that they can have that. And so these are things that we're discussing, and I think it's education. It's getting yes. the public to be aware that there is a device called Agnes, and it does it. And offices will, you know, more and more offices will get into it and start doing this. But it's a wonderful treatment for a lot of different areas on the face and body. And we've started doing that as well. Today is about eye bags, and it really is amazing. But it has tremendous benefit in many areas. Yeah. So the way that Agnes works, I typically am the one doing the procedures in my office, as well as my nurse practitioners, that... Patients actually do not need medication. They, you know, pain medication for it. There's no anesthesia involved. It's just a little bit of topical numbing. Um, I inject a little bit of lidocaine, kind of like when you go to the dentist and they do a nerve block and it numbs the area. So I inject that. And then it takes me, oh, I would say anywhere from 10 to 12 minutes to dissolve these fat bags. So I have this teeny tiny little itty bitty needle that I poke into the fat bag. You can't feel it because you're numb. And then, you know, it emits the radio frequency and it dissolves the fat and it literally crackles like bacon. Like it's, it's one of those things where <laughs> I absolutely love doing the procedure because it crackles and I keep poking the fat bag and pulsing different areas until it's not crackling anymore. And that's how I know I'm done is I keep feeling and seeing and hearing those crackles till I'm done. And then at the end of it, I go right over the top And then I tighten the skin with another procedure that's microneedling with radio frequency. So not only am I dissolving the fat right then and there, but I'm tightening it over the top. Now, patients leave that day and they're a little puffy from the lidocaine. However, over the next three to five days, they can get pretty decently swollen. And so, you know, we have different uh, things that we get into with them post-care, but they can easily drive themselves to and from. They can drive themselves to and from any office visit they have with me after that. It's just you are, you're pretty swollen. I did this to Larry's eyes back in, uh, gosh, February or March. And it was, uh, I, I got to make fun of him for a couple of days. He looked like he had been in a Rocky match because I did both his upper and his lower eyelids. So I just like to let patients know there is still swelling, but to be honest, zero pain. Every patient I, has done, I have done this procedure to has said zero pain or discomfort. You're just really swollen for three to five days, and then you're right back and at it like nothing happened. You kind of bypassed (laughs) my discussion a bit. It's like, oh, yeah, I just abused him. Okay, let's talk about my eyes since you brought it up. Okay, I did not have eye bags. I had laxity, especially (laughs) the upper lids, you know, how they kind of come down. You you pull on your upper lid, and it stays. Mm -hmm. It stays out. 
like a so, tent that yeah. we were out in the forest. So if you're if you're hearing this right now, get in front of a mirror and take your fingers and grab your upper eyelid and pull it out. Mm-hmm. What's it look like? Does it, it snap it, back? Yeah. I mean, if you let go of that tissue and it snaps right back, okay, forget this conversation. But if you are like most people and that tissue just kind of stays out there. Like Larry. Uh, like mine. That requires immediate. It's like, <laughs> you see, this is what Emergency. I do. Yeah, this is trauma to me. You know, this is an emergency procedure. My eyelids were hanging, you know. <laughs> you can have hanging eye bags. But my, mine was eyelids. And so, anyway, yes, Anne abused me. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I was uh, swollen and kind of beat up looking for a few days. But it's now been a little over two months, and I went for, I've gone from a three to a one mm-hmm. on the laxity score. So just like for fat volume. Which we want to remind our patients that's a good thing because it sounds a, like you're going backwards yeah. in your, you know. Yeah, no, it's a scale. good thing. I'm, <laughs> I've gone from severe to mild. There we go. And I have about another month and a half of tightening to go. So usually at four months, you, you hit your peak when it comes to tightening. Yes. And so, you know, I'm, I'm guessing I should get to zero. If I don't quite get there, I know that Anne will... Oh, yes. Yeah, happily, I'm happy to do another yeah, one. Yeah, do another one. So I can't have, any, have hanging eyelids, you know. <laughs> so that's, that's important. And again, you can do that, you know. Uh, this isn't a discussion about submental fat. That's the double chin. Mm-hmm. But you can do it right there. You can yep. get jawline definition. What if you had a really nice, strong-looking jawline mm-hmm. versus loose skin on the neck or in that area? So, again, whatever works for one area can work for other areas. And we'll probably discuss some of those other treatments in detail at some point. Yeah. Uh, but around the eyes, I mean, you know, how many people hate their eyes? It's just... People come in and, again, they don't think that there's an option. It always comes back. I can't. There isn't anything else I can do. I just have to bring this up because it's one of my favorite, like, movie quotes. Yep. But there's that uh, movie House Bunny with Anna Ferris, and she's trying to teach all these young girls how to do their makeup. Yep. She's like, the eyes are the nipples of the face. You have to make them shine. <laughs> <laughs> so the question is, is, you know, are they sagging and what are you doing about it? And uh, that's where it comes back to me. But really, in reality, when you meet people, right, where are you looking at them? Typically, it should be in their eyes, right? Not, not elsewhere. So that's your first impression of somebody is what do their eyes look like? And, um, you know, we kind of discussed so that it's very easy to have done. It can take up to four months to get final results. So in the non-invasive world, it's not always instant gratification, but you only have a few days of swelling and then it slowly kicks in over time. So, Larry, my question for you would be, why would a patient choose surgery versus non-surgical when it's related to eye bags? Well, I'm still thinking about nipples of the face, you know. It's, it's like, are you kidding me? Is this what I'm supposed to say to my patients from now on? Do you realize that your eyes are the nipples of the face, your, your nipples of your face? Uh, I might get their attention. <laughs> okay, what was the question? I'm, I'm trying to move beyond the nipples of the face, but okay. So, All right, so why would a patient choose surgery for their eye bags versus this non-surgical procedure? 
Well, or vice versa. Uh, well, surgery is always a good option. You know, we're never mm-hmm. going to say it's a bad option. It's a good option, and it's immediate. Mm-hmm. Whatever you do, you know, you get it right now. Yes. Uh, there, it is a little more involved. Of more course. downtime. More downtime. All of that. Uh, probably more expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, things like that. What we are offering is. You know, a treatment that is uh, relatively low cost, considering, mm-hmm. you know, lasers and all this stuff nowadays, it's a pretty low cost treatment and for such a huge difference. And to use radio frequency that's been around for years and years and years, and this particular company has over 100 different needles. Mm-hmm. And uh, eventually we hope to get as many of them as we can for different treatments. So it does a lot of different things, but this is a nice treatment. It's easily controlled. You come in, it's about a half hour procedure. If you do your whole eye, okay, I mean uh, upper and lower, uh, both eyes, you, you might be looking at an hour to an hour and a mm-hmm. half, yep. but, but it's, it's just a nice alternative. It's an easy thing to do. And again, look at your eyes. Are your eyes making you look old? Are they making you look tired? Uh, you know, why have that? And, and a lot of the executives out there, you know, nowadays you're somewhat mm, measured. I didn't want to say judged, but, you know, how you look. Mm-hmm, you are. And uh, that, that happens. And so if you have this younger look about you, energy, that equates to I was going to say it actually is just not looking tired is what people are looking for. Can yep. this person handle the job or do they look too tired to do it? That's right. And so, you know, at my age, I can't look tired. That's just it. <laughs> I have to have my eyes working for me. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to work, move on to other body parts as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the things that I wanted to bring up, and this is the biggest discussion I have with patients, because I do a lot of consults for these procedures, is with surgery, you do get instant gratification. You, do, you get a lot of downtime with it. Some people bruise severely. You are cutting tissue and pasting it back, meaning that you're not actually always repairing the damaged tissue or what we like to call rejuvenating the dermis of the skin. You're just pulling it tighter and cutting out the fat bag. So one of the biggest differences with this is we're actually working on repairing the skin, growing more collagen, you know, improving the dermis as well as dissolving the fats. That's one of the biggest things is we're giving you better skin under there. Surgery is just creating a scar and pulling it tight. Number two... If you pull too much out with surgery or pull something too tight, you can look odd. I would say the number one uh, man that gets picked on in our office when people come in is they're like, I just don't want to look like Kenny Rogers. He like scared the hell out of everybody for having a blepharoplasty because his eyes were pulled so tight. Yeah. And, you know, they're kind of pulled up and tweaked a bit. Mm -hmm. And we have a patient that's been trying to get us to help calm hers down for yeah. years and yeah. it's like a uh, deer in headlights yeah so this isn't typical from surgery mm-hmm. but it can it, happen it, though it can happen even by the best surgeon and you've seen you've seen those uh celebrities that yep. that, in, that involves so all i can say is from our standpoint this is an alternative yes. that is really really nice and i i would hope that some of the plastic surgeons and yes. uh, facial plastic people derms etc would come on board with this yeah. and use it in their clinic as an 
option. Yeah. So, yes, you can have surgery if you like, but you can also have this procedure that is non-surgical. And I, I think the non-surgical approach to a lot of things with the face is increasing in popularity. And, and it's because the technology has improved so much over yes. the last five years. It's just, it's just crazy what you can do now. And sometimes patients just want something that's non, non-surgical, right? They're scared of the word surgery. And one of our favorite plastic surgeons here in the Valley, he does amazing blepharoplasties. He bought the equipment and has it in his office because he's smart. He knows that he can do an amazing bleph, but when he gets that surgeon, or sorry, that patient in there who's just scared of surgery, he can now offer them something else and he doesn't have to send them elsewhere. So he has the best of both worlds. And that's why he's one of our favorites. He's a smart man. He does his research and he gets it. He knows that there's two kinds of patients. Some want surgery and some don't. So that brings us to the other part of it, or what are some of the risks with surgery versus non-surgical? They both have some of the risks. So we, we talked about getting pulled too tight, but Larry, what are some of our other risks with getting a blepharoplasty? Well, you never quite know, are you, when you're doing surgery, it's such a fine line between great results and less than great results. Mm-hmm. Let's put it that way. Uh, whether you're doing a full face or you're doing eyes or you're doing whatever, you're taking and you're removing some tissue and you're pulling it together. And there's always a little swelling and there's little things like that going on. Do we get it exactly right for mm-hmm. you? Uh, again, with this technology, you know, by contrast, this technology, we're removing fat as mm-hmm. we go and we are tightening skin as we go. And you're not going to get too tight with this, uh, but you're going to stay firm and you're going to get younger, healthier tissue all the way around. So full mm-hmm. eyes, for example, yep. that's why I did my full eyes so that it becomes younger and healthier. And if I do need a second one, of course, I'll do it. But but I think that's it. That's that's a big part of it is getting it exactly right or best your ability, but not having to use a knife to do it. Yeah. And, you know, there's always risk with everything. And it's the same thing, you know, this always kind of rounds me back to one of our points of why we're doing this podcast. Even with Agnes, there can be risks. So one of your, the most important things with this technology is to have a well-trained practitioner doing it. So, for example, in my office, it's only myself and my nurse practitioner that are doing the procedure. We both have been well-trained. And actually, one of the biggest things I appreciate about the company that's selling this device is they require the training, and when you purchase it, they include it as part of it because they want to make sure that nobody out there has a hold of this device and can hurt somebody with it. Because let me put it this way. I have a teeny tiny needle near your eye. What if I don't know anything about anatomy and I'm just poking this thing wherever I want to go? Could something bad happen? Yeah, right? You could poke it into something you're not supposed to. So the company invests in getting all of their practitioners trained very well so that anybody that's out there that has this device knows what they're doing. And when you watch it being done, and we have a great PowerPoint presentation Mm -hmm. that we go through with with offices and people that we teach, when you watch it being done after having done the PowerPoint and you see exactly the step-by-step that you Mm -hmm. take to do this and to do it right, then you realize, okay, this is safe. Yep. It's, it's just doing it step by step the exact right way. Every time. And that's what I always like to say is even though we bring up the different, you know, risks between surgery and non-surgical, I'm never bashing surgery. 
I'm just letting people know that there's an option, but it doesn't matter if it's your surgeon doing it for surgery or if it's a practitioner like myself doing it for non-surgical, you still want somebody who is well-trained because you would not want somebody doing your blepharoplasty who is not a licensed surgeon in the United States who has not had training just cutting your eyelids open. So it goes both ways, right? So it's, it's with that. And so I would say, you know, the, the risks of both of them can be very minimized as long as you have good practitioners. What it comes down to is what does the patient want? Do they want surgery? Do they want the downtime from surgery? And I find a lot of times my patients don't, and that's with the lady in my office. So we scheduled her. We already did her treatment, and now she knows you have to wait the three to four months to see final results, and then we evaluate from there. But it continues getting better and better and better. And like Larry brought up, I am currently using this device for full facial sculpting. You know, I treated one of my really good friends who's a um, practitioner in the industry, and I dissolved her uh, buckle fat pads, her submental fat pads, did skin tightening of her jowl and her submental area on her neck, and literally four months later, she looks like a different person. She is just ecstatic. So with this device, there's a lot we can do. Now, where did Agnes come from? So Agnes was actually developed by Dr. Ahn, and Dr. Ahn's goal in life was to develop a procedure that would eradicate acne. So he actually started by developing these little focused RF needles that would poke into the pores and actually destroy the sebaceous gland. So we could shut down these overactive sebaceous glands and actually stop acne production. So that was the beginning of Agnes, which is why it's named Agnes, right? After acne, that's the closest name he could get. And then, you know, an amazing byproduct of it is that he actually figured out with different tips and different powers and energies and different tissue, he could dissolve fat, he could tighten skin, he could treat fine lines and wrinkles. And then Agnes is, like you said, Larry, now has 100 tips. How many tips do we have here in America? I think nine. Yeah, we have about nine, and we're hoping to get a cannula very soon that's yeah. going to make it. It's like a three- or four-inch long cannula that will mm-hmm. allow us to do a lot more than we're doing now. Yeah, so, and yeah. faster. Yeah, yeah. So it's really, you know, as we are able to bring in more and more of the needles and tips that he has, and, you know, that this is being perfected. All mm-hmm. over the world before it ever gets to the United States. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, by the time we get it, everyone else has been using it for some time and they've already perfected the protocols and what have you. And then mm-hmm. we learn it and then we pass on what we learn. Yeah. So we become extremely passionate about it since we, um, you know, here was Larry with like 12, 14 devices in his office and the rep shows up in our office, and I'll have to joke with him about this one because he literally walked into our office, and he's sitting in Larry's office, and Larry's like, you need to come take a look at these. And I, w- I was kind of rude. I'm not going to lie. I'm like, I don't have time for you, and I'm not interested in your device. We have too many. <laughs> Luckily for the rep, who's our friend, Larry's like, sit down and take a look at these photos. Like, be nice. <laughs> I was on a busy day, you know, and I was just, I'm thinking, we have like 14 different lasers. Do we really need something else? He's like, you need to see this. As soon as I saw the photos, I'm like, okay, I'm interested in this, but none of your other devices. And so, of course, the rep was smart. He's like, let me fly you to Colorado, and why don't you visit one of our sites that does a lot of this and view the technology? And, of course, by the time we left, I'm like, well, hell, now we got to buy three new pieces of equipment. What just happened, Larry? Yeah. And you know what, though? They have been a game changer because Larry likes to say, you know, he always thought of our clinic as the face place, didn't you? That's right. Because we always had so much 
technology to do the face, and uh, we we were proud of that. I mean, we've been we've done body work for probably 15 years. We were one of the first uh, anywhere to to work on the body, but we've always felt very that the face was so important, and we mm-hmm. had technology to be able to work on it and do a lot of things. Up until the point where somebody points out, how are you doing eye bags? Yes. What are you doing for the laxity here? How are you doing, you know, and a few things. And it's like, well, those few things are critical. Yeah, they are. And uh, so anyway, uh, one piece of technology led to three, (laughs) (laughs) which it always does. And now it turns into the trifecta of rebuilding the face. Yep. But mm-hmm. now we can do some things we could not do before, and yeah. we do have some overlapping technology at our clinic, but, you know, not everybody needs the exact same thing. Yeah. And so we, we use it all, and we figure out, you know, okay, for what you've got and downtime and everything else, we can come up with a strategy and a plan that will work beautifully for almost any situation. Yeah. So that brings me to my next question, Larry, is why should medical aesthetic practices, dermatologists, plastic surgeons, et cetera, consider owning an Agnes device? Well, I, th- I think the, the, the number one thing is you want to have options for your patients. You want to be able to offer the latest and greatest, you know, something that is safe but will get results all the time. You know, and and I think nowadays, you know, you can't just rely just on surgery or you can't mm-hmm. rely just on this device or this device. And that's what we found. Once we yeah. started investigating it, well, we need this. Well, if we get this, then we should have this. And if we get that, then it sure would be helpful to have that. Mm-hmm. And that kind of happens. It is a snowball effect, and that's that kind that is what happens in aesthetics. But now we have three technologies that you could put you know, uh, a room together and treat not just faces. This is also body work, yes, which we'll over. talk about another time. Yep. But you could do faces all day long and keep it very, very busy using this technology and, and doing very well with it. And patients, patients are going to benefit. They're going to be your, your, uh, your big bonus that these people are going to get to see things that they can't see otherwise, and they're going to get to have treatments done that otherwise would have only been surgery. Yes, and that's, that's why we agree that, you know, some of the top practices we know are investing in this technology because they know it's, you know, um, you should have the best of both worlds. Yep. Now, why, you know, as far as that's discussing or discussing practitioners, what about patients? Why would patients want to consider having an Agnes treatment? Well, I think it's, again, for patients, too, it's all about your options. Mm-hmm. You know, you can, you can, first option is you don't do anything. You stay yeah. just like you are. And that's always an option. Yes. Um, now, if it, if it starts to bother you, and what's so interesting is sometimes it's uh, in your subconscious and you look and, and, you know, it bothers you a little bit. And then over time, it bothers you a little bit more and a little bit more. But if it's not to the point where it's really bothering you, just because it bothers me doesn't mean it bothers you. Yeah. And, you know, so you don't have to treat it. Don't, don't do anything. Yeah. But if it is bothering you, 
then you you have a couple choices. Yes. And so you can look into and do some research. Go ahead and research mm-hmm. uh, what you want to do. You know, bleph- blepharoplasty has been around for a very long time. Yep. There are a lot of physicians in uh, in the valley that can do it and do beautiful work. So that is option number one. If you're the type of person that just doesn't want surgery, then take a look at what the other options are. Mm -hmm. And again, there is filler around the area. There is skin tightening. There are things like that where you're kind of masking the -hmm. problem. You're never eliminating the problem. You're never getting rid of it. So sometimes you spend more money trying to mask a problem than actually getting rid of it. Yeah. So, you know, the best thing to do would be to get a consultation on eliminating the problem and see where you are at after that. Yeah, and I agree with you, Larry. That's the biggest thing I would point out to patients is that if your eye bags are bothering you and you have them, we encourage you to investigate both surgery and Agnes. So look at your surgical options. Look at the Agnes option. I don't necessarily recommend going with the Band-Aid procedure of just covering it up because it a lot of times it backfires and you end up looking worse. So my suggestion to you guys is research. You know, and usually once you meet the different practitioners that are doing this, whether it's surgical versus non-surgical, you will make that educated decision of what you're comfortable with doing, and then that's the route you need to choose. You know, I am not against one or the other. I just want to help people feel better about themselves. And, you know, that's been our goal for a long time is let us give you beautiful, healthy-looking skin. If we can repair your skin rejuvenate your skin and give you beautiful, healthy looking skin, you're going to look younger regardless of your age because your skin is going to glow and look amazing. So same thing, even if we get rid of the eye bag and we tighten up that skin, we can just instantly make you look younger by rejuvenating that area. So we're getting ready to wrap this show up. And Larry, I always like to, you know, end with a little bit of what would Larry do? So... Well, just understanding those are not designer bags. <laughs> no, they're not. And they are, they got to go. Yes, so, they do. <laughs> and take a look. See if you're a candidate for this. Do you have these bags under your eyes that are making you look old, mm-hmm. loose, tired skin like I had? If you do, think about some options yep. and go see some folks. Yep, and offices out there, if you are calling yourself a face place, and you don't have anything to treat eye bags, you should reconsider what your options are. All right. Well, thank you all for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. you. (laughs) And we will see you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to What Would Larry Do? featuring Dr. Ann. Hear it live each week here or anytime 24-7 on demand at StarWorldWideNetworks.com.